Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 74 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, your host for the day, and joining me on the cast today, my lovely co-host, Miss Tiffany B. Host for the day? Yeah. Like we're like we're yeah. like we're gonna be bringing in other hosts yeah. on other days. Okay. You never know. Things happen. You didn't. You didn't. You have to tell me ahead of time if you're gonna do that. I might freak out. I no. This show is full of surprises, Tiff. Mm-hmm. I come up with what I'm gonna say like in the moment. Sometimes I don't actually know what I'm saying until I've said it. I can't imagine that. Uh, it's a I, tough life. It, it it makes me anxious just thinking about you doing that. Well, also Tiff, say hi. Yeah. I did. Thank I just you. Did. <laughs> also, hello. <laughs> We're also joined today. Don't worry, guys. I'm, I'm here. No, you guys no, keep you talking. I was about to praise you for keeping quiet until you were spoken of. You can't quiet this beast. The man, the myth, the legend. It's Dan. Ladies. <laughs> so, yeah. Welcome, everybody. And, of course, before we get into anything, we have to thank our lovely sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games, our benefactor for this show. See, I'm the host. They're the benefactor. We've all got titles and roles, Tiff. We're a responsible oh. group of people. What's my title? Hamburger joke enthusiast. Wow. Do you did you have a different want, title in mind? I don't know, but I don't like that one. All right, think I'll about think your title, about and we'll think about Dan's title, and we'll get to that after I talk a little bit about Tasty Minstrel. I was in my game store the other day, and it seems like their almost full crop of Gen Con games has finally showed up. I saw Samara. I saw Lemuria. I'm trying to think of. Some of the other things that they had, I think Okie Dokie's finally out. Uh, a lot of the games that were available during Gen Con are now on store shelves, so go check them out. It seems like they're doing some more like Japanese import kind of stuff. Is that true, Dan? Yeah, they're big into the uh, the Japanese game scene, or the Asian game scene in general, I think. Yeah. Um, I know they go over there. I know Lance was recently at the the game market day, I think they have over there in Japan, so I think they do some some scouting um, they also brought over Jiraku or Jiraku oh, yes. or whatever. Yeah, I was interested. Put in that. It, You've had that for a while, Dan. Yeah, I've had that. I was on the on the hipster train on that one. I think I've had that for like two years, and they brought it over in a much smaller box, which is mm. you know good and bad. Um, but yeah, that's a good game. It's like area control trick taking or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. I like that. I dig that. Uh, so yeah, Tasty Mitchell's got some stuff for you. Go ahead and check them out. Now, this episode is going to be what we do best. Talking about games, talking about stuff that's currently happening in the gaming world. Uh, Tiff, I feel like once you said you never know when you need a good hamburger joke, I feel like I need a good hamburger joke right now. Do you happen to have a hamburger joke book offhand? Here it is. I keep it. Just give me one that's like politically charged, like the last one you gave us. (laughs) They all, some of them are offensive. Just flat out. It's because it's from, uh, like, the early 70s. It is. Uh, I can't find... Oh, it's hard. This Just is the first one to see. Okay. Which burgers are dishonest? This is a really bad one. I got You'll never guess it. It's cat burgers. Get it? Like, cat burglars. It actually says that in parentheses, in case you didn't get the joke. That's a really ha! bad joke. It's so bad. They're all real bad. Can, can we stop this? <laughs> uh, no, no here's another one just for that damn this is what you get what did they do to the burger who thought he was a rooster cook a doodle do <laughs> see you know oh, i propose oh. this bit and i try to bring this up because i think it'll get us at least like sympathy laughs but i don't know those are really bad jokes they're real bad i don't know 
The fact that the, you paid real American worst, dollars for yeah, that. Yeah, the worst part is you bought that book. It's like a dollar. It was like a dollar. <laughs> and it, it, like, I had this book as a child. I bought it from a garage sale, probably for less than a dollar. And uh, now I know why. It was at the garage sale. Yeah. It's the worst. It's gotten us 50 cents worth of nostalgia and 50 cents worth of time kill on this show. It's really padding there the stats go. there, Tiff. <laughs> You're welcome. People download, they're like, wow, 78 minutes, a long one this time. Yeah, it turns out 18 minutes of that hamburger jokes. It makes me feel bad. I'm sorry. Look, are we going to talk about games? Yeah, I think I games so. are probably a little bit more interesting. So let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing and what's been going on. Which, for me, finally, I've actually been playing some games. How have you guys been doing? Finally? You always play games. What are you talking about? <laughs> you play games, like, weekly, I, if not I, okay. I feel <laughs> That's like, fair. I feel like you just stole what I was supposed to say. I'm yeah. sorry. I was reading from Thanks. Tiff's script. That was not my line. I highlighted the wrong line. Tiff, how has your gaming been going? Well, finally, I got to play some games. No way. I had a Me game... too. Oh, weird. Oh, that was Dan's I... line. Sorry. Oh. I'm really not doing well here. Pull yourself together, man. Sorry. No, I had a game day, so I actually played several games. That's awesome. I'm on a roll right now. Who'd you have game day with? Um, No one... Anybody would know, like my husband, our friends that are here in town yeah. with a lot of couples, and uh, we were lucky enough to have Copac drive all the way down from Twinsburg, so he did the two and a half hour drive just That's to participate. That's how far he is from you? I thought he was so much closer. Yeah. Ohio's big. That's what <laughs> no one seems to understand. Like, oh, all the Ohio gamers, you shouldn't have any problem. Like... Yeah, most everybody's like an hour away from yeah, me no, at I, least. I could have sworn you guys were all neighbors. No. Like, an hour's not that out. bad. No, I know. No, that's like an hour, to an hour's an hour. not that bad, but I'm just saying like bare minimum, anyone that you talk to that's also from Ohio is not like, it's not like a 15 minute across town drive. It's like a, it's like a, we have to plan this situation let's, i mean let's let's talk about this let's face it most of ohio doesn't need to be populated so why don't you guys just kind of centralize in like this core area that's true you can all have like a big happy ohio commune like i really don't utopia. like this ohio hate coming from you dan i don't <laughs> it's not ohio hate it's more just it kind of is information <laughs> it's not factual whatever you guys got a big state over there it's a great state you're not you're it's not the, fully it's utilizing the, the heart potential. of it all there's so how do, there's corn there's soybeans we're using yeah. it for things most importantly everyone in ohio is like 10 minutes away from pierogies at all time right <laughs> that's not how it works and a game of euchre definitely a game of euchre. pierogies and euchre but, within walking distance at all times in ohio see, i think per, i think the pierogies thing is maybe a little bit of a misnomer that's just like i mean there's you got there a polish two... population up there pierogies is yeah. poland Right. Oh, yes, Dan, thank I'm, you. I'm just saying, like, you Pizza think of pierogies because of origins, and there are two places within, like, a couple of minutes from each other that have pierogies. It doesn't, no, there Ohioans, aren't, aren't pierogies on every menu here. There's a Polish population up there, Tiff. Okay. Like, compared to, we here in Maryland, we have a, a vast amount of diversity. There's just people from all places all over the place. But you guys have, like, Ohioans and Polish people. Maryland sucks, yeah. too. I'm not going to lie. Oh, Dan, come on. See? I knew it. I mean, it. I like Maryland. Those, uh, I like it. I mean, I, I like it more than Ohio. I projecting. I like it more than Ohio. But, but you're biased. I, I wouldn't live here if I, you know, didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so continental U.S., where would you live, Dan? You've been around all over. West Coast. 
Oh, I think have we had this talk about San Diego or California? West or Coast or Canada? Ugh, no. Doesn't that's, that's not, not continental, continental US, United States? But okay. no, Jeff, where but would you live? Are you Ohio true and true? I might be. True I don't know. I like the Midwest. It's a nice place. We have seasons. And oh god, that's the worst excuse. Yeah. What? We have I seasons. Oh, I like man. seasons, and I like I like that I can drive like ten minutes in any direction, and it's fields. I like that. I want that. It's not for everyone. I don't want to be where it's heavily populated. I don't like people. Remember? Remember? Okay. You take that you to like a macro Ohio. level too. You like look at state density, and you're like, "There's too many people in this state. <laughs> I'm not living here." Yes. Yes. So nobody likes where they live. Mo- more I've never gone any place that I'm like, I need to live here. I'll say that. Like yeah. every every place is, has its drawbacks. Well, more importantly, you had a game day. You played games. You played multiple games in a day. This is awesome. You've got things to talk about. So, where do you want to start? Well, I guess I can start with Ex Libris because that's what Dan wants me to talk about. Yeah, let me talk about them books with Tiff. I don't. I haven't played it. So you didn't get to play it. Really just talk about this. Well, it's it's Adam McIver's game, and Renegade put it out, and I think we talked about it and how it looks. But I finally got uh, Kopak brought it and taught it. And <laughs> do you remember when we were at Gen Con, Dan and Josh Mills came over and he was complaining about reading during the library game? Yes. I know what he. I know what he means now. <laughs> oh, was, was that Ex Libris? Yeah, it was Ex Libris, and I like it's thematic, I guess, but like. The way it works is you're trying to build a library and you have some constraints like you have your own personal color that you're trying to get. It will give you bonus points for at the end of the game. There's a band book, which will give you negative points at the end of the game. And there's a, oh, I forget what it's called, but it's like a preferred type of book. So that will give you bonus or like you're, you're fighting for a majority on that one. So there are essentially like three types of books that really super matter. I mean, you calculate all of them out in endgame scoring but the ones that you're trying to get are your specific color and you're trying to get the majority of the preferred color so you put them out and every card has a different combination of colored books and it has an alphabetical designation and a numerical designation so you have to put them in well you don't have to put them in order but you should put them in order to maximize your points um so like there it will it'll be like a one of ten so like and then you could put two of ten next to that and so you would want to have it as close to alphabetical and numerical order as you possibly can you can obviously you're going to have to skip things and uh, that's kind of where the interesting thing is, is like, you'll draw a card and you're like, oh, I could have placed that, but I already put the other stuff. And uh, so there's that. And then in order to, to get new books and new cards, there are these locations that come out and they're just different rules for getting cards and swapping cards and potentially moving cards in your library to kind of like maximize your points. Three of them come out every round, and then there's one that stays from... So, like, you keep adding to the collection. One stays from the previous round, and then three more. And then you add another one to that permanent collection, and then three more. So, as you get to the end of the game, you have more choices on how to get more cards into your library. But it's kind of like the rules are constantly... You're constantly learning through the game. Like I said, it makes a lot of sense thematically. Like, library, books, learning, all that stuff... 
there are just like new rules on how to get cards that come out with each one of those locations. And the way they have them printed, you can't read them. They're smaller, so, right? The cards. Hmm. Well, the locations are big tiles. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm uh, sorry. But Go the, ahead. Finish. I'll, I'll talk. The cards, I don't know what size the cards are, actually. I didn't even... They look like they're smaller than bridge. Like, they don't look like a standard size. I, I was just curious, having played and felt them, did they feel small? It didn't. I mean, it didn't matter to me. I don't have big hands or problems with cards the way some people do. Like, I don't care about tiny cards or whatever. But um, the tiles, the locations that come out, like, they have the rules printed on them, but you wouldn't be able to, like, read those rules. A, because the text is small, and B, because they're, the way it is on the art, it w it's just hard to read. So the, we had printouts of each location, but I had, like... <laughs> Maybe it's just me being lazy. I had to keep rereading that, like, okay, we have these locations out, okay. This, this, this. And I just was constantly rereading that cheat sheet. And, I mean, I, I'm glad there was a cheat sheet, because otherwise I would have had to constantly, like, get up and look at the tile. I don't know. I just, I found that to be annoying. The scores were really tight. I think we were all within one or two points at the end of the game. So that was fun. And once we got going, I did like it. I will say that when you're telling people to <laughs> telling people like me to put things in alphabetical order and numerical order and I'm like super into sorting, like for a long time I didn't want to put books in my library until I had like the perfect hand of alphabetical and numerical things. So, I think our game took a while to get started because everybody was kind of hoping that everything would just line up perfectly. And I didn't mention this, but in your library you've got 3 levels. So when you place a card, it has to be touching another card in your three levels. And then at the end of the game, there's also like a structure bonus. So if you're taking like a big square out of your library and that gives you bonus points at the end of the game. But anyway, it just it kind of messed with my OCD type tendencies. Like I really wanted it to be perfect numerical alphabetical order and you can't do that. Um, because one of my opponents was just like, bam, I have 14 cards, and the game ends. I think when you have like 14 or 15 cards, when the first person has 14 or 15 cards out in their library. So, yeah, it wasn't bad, but I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> Interesting. See, what you're describing is like kind of the reason I can't stand Fantasy Flight games, because it's like so much reading. I am like the biggest fan of symbols and like, smoother mechanics that don't require like half the rule book on a card or something like i just that just turns me off well i was wondering we were talking about like i wonder if they had considered like doing the symbols thing and then you would just have a cheat sheet for what the symbols mean but then when we sat there and we're like okay what kind of symbols would you need it was kind of a lot so i don't know if they probably thought of it i think we talked about this with what was the game we talked about oh sentient that's another renegade game where i was like these cards have so much wasted space like you could put like the symbols and then put just like a sentence of what it means underneath it in smaller text for someone just to so they didn't have to constantly refer to a rule book or something like that um so little things like that yeah, that was actually an issue of a lack of text i still yes yeah that uh, but that's what i'm saying so like yeah, and I was, I was just about to say, like, with Ex Libris, maybe, like, putting the symbol on there was just as confusing as putting just three sentences of text and finding that balance would be what you definitely need. Well, um, and some of the locations are complicated. Like, some of them are just like, here are three cards, take one, or swap one. But some of them are like, 
okay, have each player take out a card, and then it, you can take one of those cards, and if oh, you God. do, you can shelve it. So it's like a multiple-step type of a deal, which yeah. probably w- is what made it impossible to do symbols. But it's just like I got to the point where I was just feeling lazy, so I wouldn't go to those locations that had the big paragraph of text. I would just ignore them and go to the simple ones because ultimately you're just trying to get more. You're trying to get cards in your hand, and you're trying to play them out. Like you want something that you can get cards and you can play it. And whatever I could find that was the easiest way to do that is what I was going for. And it's almost like they were trying to make it infinitely replayable. But it, I don't know that it needed all of these different things. Sure. No, that's good to know. Because that was, was it? So Ex Libris was my number one game for Gen Con. But I had no desire to get up early and wait for it. Because as we talked in the last episode, like that whole scarcity demand thing, that just drives me nuts. And I'm not going to buy into it kind of thing. So yeah. um, I think the it's good thing It's not a bad us- game. No, I, I think the good say. thing for us is, so our game store is pretty connected to Renegade, so I'm sure they'll have a demo copy, Yeah, and this sounds like one I, I might just demo before buying. I'm still very interested in playing it. And it could just be like the games I played with it were really good, and so out of the three that I played, it was my least favorite. Yeah. It's a $60 but, game, too. Oh, it is? Right? Yeah. So it's yeah. A, yeah. It's a, I don't know what the price is, but Copac... It was his game, and he bought it, and he was saying how he thought it was overproduced because there's this board, and it's a pretty big size board, and on it, it has reminders about gameplay, and then you put the cards, like the 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 band book card and whatever the preferred text card is on it to, to just, like, show you that that's what you're trying to avoid and what you're going for, but it's this huge board, and that's all it does, really. And he was saying, like, he thought that they expected you to put the, like permanent locations on top of it but if you did that the way the game it's a it's kind of a table hog um the way the game lays out you wouldn't be able to see them from that far away and i don't know i think if you look at it you don't think it's going to be this kind of like it's heavier than it looks i guess was the other thing i would say about it that could potentially be a positive thing no i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i just I don't know. When I looked at it, I just wasn't expecting to have to. Read yeah, yeah, so yeah. Much. Going in with expectations, <laughs> that's that's got me worried. The whole heavier than you thought. That's got me excited. But the whole yeah. re- reading. It's still. That let me be. Let me say it's. I wouldn't call it heavy by any stretch of the imagination. Sure, sure. No, pretty, no, no. I know. What pretty you're simple, saying. like set collection. But it's just like you have to. Th- think a little bit more than I was expecting because you have all these different options for collecting cards and everything. Yeah. There's some there's some depth hidden in there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no. I really I think this is gonna go on my try before I buy now. Just because right. of the price point, like sixty bucks is not something I want to buy and hate. That's like yeah. my new rule of thumb. So if the I would say it's just not for me, is the way I would put it. Yeah. That's good to know. That was ex libris. Did you guys see the BGG print series or the artist series that they're doing? The agric- she so that if you don't know what it is, it's a series it. of four art prints that are board game based, and they're done by popular board game artists. So, Tiff they released the first one, and it was Vincent Dutrait doing Blood Rage, which I know Blood Rage may or may not be your thing, but Vincent Dutrait, it's pretty. Nah. It's pretty. Guys, 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 Vincent. Oh, sorry, Vincent Dutrait. 
Yes, thank you. Uh, doing Blood Rage, and the reason Come why on. I brought it this up. This is a cultured podcast. We don't, we, you know, we can we can break the norm. Well, Jackie Davis did a really <laughs> nice looking Agricola design. Uh, Ian O'Toole did Mysterium, and then they just released Quan Chai Moria did uh, Galaxy Trucker, and there are four different art styles. They're really cool in terms of like I I really like prints. Cal and I like prints. We buy a lot of art to hang up around the house and things like that. Although we have plenty of art that we haven't hung up yet, so. These are really cool board game. Like I wish they would have picked better games. I mean, yeah. So I like the Blood Rage one. I mean, Blood Rage is not my favorite game. I'm, I'm I have a vendetta against that game, but I like that one the best in terms of style. I think Agricola is cool. The uh, Mysterium, eh, the game is definitely fun and solid, but in terms of like a game that I want to represent and hang up, not so exciting. And the same for Galaxy Trucker, like good game, but not necessarily something that I want to show off like my love for Galaxy Trucker, but I would show off my love for the art. But this is just something that's so up my alley in terms of I've always wanted like board game art to have around. Um, so I think this is a really cool idea. Yeah. Expensive though. How Where much are each of the prints? are these? Uh, they're, so Tiff, as an aside, there's a link in those show notes that I made, but if you just go to, um, get, they might be in the geek store or just go to like the new section and click until you see the artist series. They just announced it. They've been doing like one a week. The They've one. been doing a one a week yeah, for the should last be a month. Link. So there, there should be a couple of links it, out there. It says like artist preview. Okay. If you look at the, um, if you look at the geek weekly or whatever that thread oh, is, yeah, they yeah, put yeah. I think they've been linking them in there as well. So in terms of cost, it's going to be based on, I think it's going to be based on size, but it looks like you're, they're going to run for like a 12 by 18, which is a pretty sizable. Like if you guys look at my camera behind me, like that's what some of these prints are, or like this 11 by 17, 12 by 18 about size, uh, like 30 bucks each, which depending on how they print them, which it, I believe when I read through, they're going to print them at a fairly high quality level, um, could be an okay price, but that means you're looking at for like a set of four. I think they might do a combo deal for like around a hundred bucks. If you want really big ones for some reason, like 24 by 36 they have here as an option. Um, they're they're kind of polling people to see what they want, which is, that's a massive print, but... It's um, a poster. Yeah, basically, uh, which is not something I necessarily want on my wall, but uh, looking at like 80 bucks each or a combo for maybe up to 300, but art is not always cheap, especially cool art like this, and it since it's BGG, like just doing this in-house, I'm sure they've got some costs to cover, so... Anyway, I just thought it was a cool idea, and when I saw Jackie Davis, that cued me in, because I think this is a something that people will probably be interested in, particularly if they, like, if they expand the series, they're calling the series one, if they if they make more of these, and then allow you to, like, mix and match, I think people would probably be pretty happy. Are they gonna, are they gonna make them, like, limited in any way? Because that would be cool, like, if you had this, otherwise, it's like you go over to every person you know's game room, and it's got the same damn art prints, <laughs> like, decorating it. <laughs> That is a good. You know what I mean? Like I think point. of art. Like when I think of art, I think of like, oh, that's a nice piece. You know, that's kind of unique. Maybe there's only one or two or the. You know, something like yeah. I like that. And I know, especially nerds, we love that kind of limited quantity. Like that's why Kickstarter runs so well. Board games is because we we like yeah. exclusives. We like things like that. And I, I don't. Yeah, it'll be kind of funny. You, you, literally, you go to everyone's house and they've got. Oh, nice agricola print. I've I've got that too. Oh, I've, I've got, got that, that three. Too. Yeah, four or five. Six. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, it says like, that like they will print more than are pre-ordered, but so I don't I don't know. I'm sure they will probably like sell out of their first run and then decide what to do after that. It'd just be cool if but they yeah, gave it some agree, kind like, of exclusivity to it. Like that would be neat. Yeah. 
they like numbered and signed kind of things. Got some prints like that. Yeah, anyway, so something I thought I'd throw out there, but moving forward into games, back into games, Dan, uh, what's been on your table? Uh, nothing on my table. Well, I guess technically there was something on my table. Hey, we did. We Matt, played something on Matt your table. Matt decided after 10 years of living in Bel Air, he would make his fifth trip up to visit me. <laughs> I happened to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, and we played board games. Um, I don't know. Like, a couple I'm, things. I'm looking at my list and I'm like, some of these I really want to explore a little bit more, but I guess I could give a first impression. Well, we don't have to. Well, let's just say that we played a game with bunnies. Yeah, so now, now let's talk about Bunny Kingdom, because I actually enjoyed Bunny okay. Kingdom. All right, so yeah. Bunny Kingdom, this was the one that was, we talked last week, this was the one that wasn't on my Gen Con list that I just picked up on a whim. Uh, this is from Yellow, and designed by Richard Garfield, who's, I think he's he's a new up-and-coming designer, I think. Um, I don't know, you Richard should keep Garfield, an eye yeah. on that guy, he's pretty good. Um, if Bunny Kingdom's anything to kind of speak to. Yeah, I don't yeah, Jokes. something magical about that guy. Tiff, do you get it, or should I mansplain it to you? No, I got it. I said Tiff. Oh. <laughs> what? I've missed I think... it. What are you mansplaining to me? <laughs> Tiff checked out. I, I did. Was, yeah, I was looking was something up real quick. Or something. My, like, my joke was completely thwarted by Tiff not paying attention. Sorry, I was looking something up so I was ready for my next game talking segment. That's okay. okay. We played a game by the, uh, the, the up-and-coming designer Richard Garfield. Oh, yeah, I got that. No, that didn't. I was just, it wasn't that funny. (laughs) Hey, you got any hamburger jokes left? Yeah, I was going to say, come on, on a scale of one to hamburger joke, that was, that was pretty funny. No, it was funnier than a hamburger joke, but that's set the bar pretty low. It is. All right, now that we've explained our joke for way too long, Dan, Bunny Kingdom is a game about bunnies. Yeah, so Bunny Kingdom is a drafting area control game, so to speak. I mean, yeah. Area control with no conflict. How about that? So it's basically like area placement slash connection, <laughs> I guess you would say. Yeah, you're trying to like form territories to, to control. Some, is it fiefs or fiefs? I always thought it was fief. Is it a fief? Like fiefdom. F-I-E-F. Yeah, let's go with fiefs for this but You were episode. saying fife. I, I don't know. I I think that's a that's a popular uh, like indie pop artist, isn't it? Maybe. Good old fife. No idea. I don't a fife is also like a woodwind instrument. That's that's why I, that I was just about to yeah. say, Tiff. I think I'm going more towards the instrument than the the uh, the kingdom, <laughs> so to speak. But anyway, so there's a game in this. Um, so there's a board that has it's ten by ten, so it's got a hundred little squares on it, and each of these squares is a different terrain that produces like a little different resource. Um, some have cities already pre-populated at the start of the game, and you've got a hand of cards. So there's there's three different types of cards, three or four different types of cards. So you've got location cards. So there is a card in the deck for each of the 100 spaces on the board. So as I mentioned, there's no real competition for spaces. There's slight um, pressure lock in that, but I won't talk about that. But if you claim a space, it's yours. No one's going to take that space from you. So you're trying to like maneuver the board to get your guys into a certain position to form fifes and score points and good stuff. Uh, then there's these... Uh, Parchment cards, which are endgame points, um, or treasures, which are just um, straight up points. So the the parchment, the the objective cards, they are like you know score one point for every carrot you have at the end of the game, kind of thing. Um, and then there's also these cards that just let you draw cards. So there's there's different types of cards in this game, basically, and you're drafting. So we played a two player game, which 
I was curious to see how drafting worked in a two-player game, but I have to admit it was it was kind of fun. Um, so what happens is you have 10 cards in your hand, and I'll go over the basic rules, and then I'll explain the difference with two-player. So in the basic game, you're going to have 10 to 12 cards in your hand, depending on player count. Um, I believe this plays up to four. And what you're going to do is you're going to pick two cards, and you're going to pass. And then you're going to reveal these two cards, and you're going to execute them. If it is a location card, you're going to put your little bunny, which are these cute little uh, plastic bunnies in different colors, on the board in that space. If it's an end-of-game parchment card, you're going to put it face down in a pile next to you to look at um, at the end of the game. And if it's a building, you're going to put it face up in front of you, and you'll be able to build that at the end of the round. And buildings are going to give you multiplier effects and all kinds of good stuff. So that's the game. You just literally go back and forth, and you do that four rounds. Um, and like I mentioned, at the end of each round, you get to build these buildings, which give you these increasing multipliers and different ways to score your little fiefs, fifes. Um, and then at the end of four rounds, you score. That's like the, the, the high level gist. But in the two player game, what's interesting, so you have a hand of 10 cards, and you're going to pick one to play and you're going to pick one to discard. Um, but at the start of the round, you have this reserve pile of 10 cards and you're always going to draw one from there. So it, it increases... The, the number of cards in your hand to choose from, but it also lends this bit of, I don't know, like pressure luck and secrecy to it. It was kind of interesting. So again, you choose one and then discard one. So you could, you can kind of, you could literally hate draft into that discard pile, which, you know, I did a couple times. I know Matt did a couple times. Um, yeah, it's, it was really interesting. I, I think my one, not complaint, but I could see it with being a family game, like, the scoring is probably not the most simplistic scoring system. You basically are trying to, like, in your fifes, you're going to multiply the power of your castles, which is basically the level of them. So if you had a level one castle and a level two castle, that's a three. And it's going to multiply by the different unique resources in that fiefdom. Fiefdom, sorry. Um, so if you had, like, two carrots, a wood, and a fish, you'll... You'll have one carrot, one wood, and one fish as your multiplier. So three times the power of three for the castles, and you get nine points for that fief. It's it's a little easier once you get into the game and you understand it. Uh, the first round or two, I was just like, "What? I'm scoring? What am I scoring? I'm doing this. I'm multiplying by this. I'm carrying the one." Like it was <laughs> it was a bit long division, um, but once we got into it, it was it was super simple. Um, but I could see it being. A little bit challenging maybe for some you know some younger gamers if, if, again if you're putting this on the table as a family game so that was my biggest gripe again we only played it a two-player and i really liked the way they did two-player drafting i thought it was interesting i thought it was engaging um it did probably drag the game slightly longer than it needed to be only because you're looking at my options as well as the other person's options a little bit more in depth but i found it i found it fun i thought the i thought the choices in your hand at all times were very interesting there was never a hand i had that was like oh this is the card i need to play like i always had like ooh, if i do this i can block map if i do this i could form this fief or i could do this resource so i liked it i i would recommend it um I'm looking forward to playing it with three and four players now, um, just to see how the experience changes. But you know, I, I can recommend it on the two-player experience because I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, it is going to run fifty bucks, which is a tad high, um, but I think from a from a components quality standpoint, it's yeah, it makes sense. Yellow always kind of prices their games right about where they should be. Yeah, uh, they even give you one bald bunny. <laughs> yeah, we had a defective bunny. Matt Matt had a defective bunny that had no ears, so he was just bald. And poor bunny had no ears. <laughs> it just looked like Aww. an awkward. 
if you look at if you look at my twitter feed if you look at the the league twitter feed you'll see the uh the bald bunny (laughs) even yellow was like oh we'll replace that (laughs) send me a bunny send me two ears i'll glue them on (laughs) i don't need a replacement bunny i need ears for this bunny uh yeah i designated him my score marker that poor bunny that game was pretty fun though i I really like the two-player drafting two-player drafting is always a weird and wonky thing but the the hate draft was strong and not in like a super aggressive way but the idea that because you're not you're not stealing spaces from people which i liked but there's still the aggression of like there was a card so i had a fief that like there was a really important spot and i actually kind of goofed dan was like wait how did you get onto the space and it turns out i had played on the wrong space I was like, oh, well, I want that space that I accidentally played on. And he's like, well, I'm going to discard that card and just like tossed it. <laughs> and I was like, cool. So that was you, a bummer. But you because discard you discard know face that card down is gone. normally. I told yeah. him that just because I had to show him because he goofed up, you know, learning game. It's fine. Um, and the good thing is like any locations you draft, you keep a pile of them. So you can always check to make sure you're good. Yeah. Uh, but you're supposed like, oh, to no, discard I'm, face I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, well, so I guess I'm not going to get that that C3 card. I'm always like, no, 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 no. That card is in the discard pile. Uh, so that was that was fun. Just like it also was interesting because it for two players, at least, it gives you a little bit more longevity with the cards because you don't see them all and you don't get to fully experience them all because half of them kind of go away before you really get to, to use them or do anything with them. So there were cards that I was like, yeah, I tossed this. And Dan was like, I never even saw that card. So that's cool because that means that next play you'll get to see some things that maybe you didn't see. Three, four player, I'm sure, would be more congested and a little bit more interesting to try to like maneuver. Uh, we had pretty big fiefs at the end where we were able to kind of combine them and get get big scores. Uh, so it, it ramps as you go, which I think is fun because the first round we scored like three points. Dan, I don't even think scored any points. And then the last one, you're like, oh, I got like 56 points and I got 67 points. So you, they, it really kind of ramps up, which is fun. Um, yeah, surprising. I, I, I cast it off because anthropomorphic animals are not always my thing. And, uh, bunny kingdom just sounds kind of silly. And Richard Garfield's board games are like up in the air. You know, you think Richard Garfield in yellow, you think King of Tokyo. So it's like, okay, what we get, but you know, some faith in Dan for his purchases. And, uh, yeah, it turned out to be pretty fun. And, and I don't know that I would put this in front of too young of a child, um, in terms of a family game, like, You'd, I feel like you'd be doing a good amount of work for them just to, in terms of strategic play. They can definitely get, like, I picked this card, I put my bunny down, but there were some choices there that were more thoughtful than expected. And that's not to say young kids can't be thoughtful, but if you're, depending on what your goals are, if you're trying to, like, have a strategic game versus just trying to expose kids, I think this might be a little tough for them. Not, not in a bad way, but this could be, like, a, a board game club game, Tiff. Yeah, that's... I was thinking that the whole time. Yeah, they could they could make those decisions a little bit more independently, I think. And and there is some like cutthroat feelings even though you're not stealing from people, but just like, "Oh, I'm going to encroach on your territory." And kids love doing that stuff, so. Yeah, yes. you could you could put a bunny in my fief and I'd be really upset. <laughs> Get your bald ass bunny out of my fief. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. My poor bunny. <laughs> that bunny shouldn't be in the sun. He couldn't even hear you coming. <laughs> I got jokes. But, uh, so, my turn to talk about anthropomorphic animals. I've played now four games of Zoo Ball. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is basically, well, they take like ten minutes, so it's not that many games. But it, uh, it, Dan 
rolls his eyes. One, because I don't think sports games are his big thing. And also, like, this is a dexterity game, but it's not terribly interesting. It's basically just, like, $20 paper football. It comes... It's from Osprey. It comes in, like, this oversized box for what it is, but it's because it has this playmat. And Kel and I spent, like, 10 minutes last night discussing how to get wrinkles out of this cloth playmat when you're not allowed to iron it, because it explicitly says you can't iron it. But it's got so many fold creases, and it's a flicking game, so that impacts its yeah the surface it completely impacts yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, there's like curves and ridges. Like I would flick the disc, and it would like catch an edge and like swirl around. Is that pieces. on purpose? Like it was, it's like Cube Quest. No, this is just like oh. we decided to fold up this cloth mat and stuff it in a box. And remember Crap. Cube Quest? Cube Quest yes. was that game right game that came with those two really nice mouse pad type material mats. But they folded them in fours, and there was that massive creasing along the edges and in the middle. And it was like it, like it, it formed a ramp basically. And your flicking were just like off the board. Oh, it was annoying yeah. as hell. This is the same deal. Like you'd line up a shot to flick. It's it's a disc flicking game. You've got uh, four discs on your thing. Three of them are blockers, quote unquote. It's like a football style game. You've got three blockers and one scorer. Uh, if you get your score into their goal, you score a point, you play to three. Uh, on your turn, you can either flick your three blockers or flick your one scorer. So it it's very simplistic, but it's fun and fast. But we'd line up a shot and you'd go to flick and the curvature in the mat would fling the disc over top of the disc you're aiming at. And you'd hit your opponent like square in the chest kind of thing. Uh, I do like it, though. If I can figure out the mat, I think that it's a fun kind of like... I, I got Crokinole, and Crokinole, I feel, is like more of a production to get out and play. I really like Crokinole. It's a great dexterity game. Um, but to get the board off my wall and like put it out, it's like, okay, let's play some Crokinole. This is like, Kel, we were sitting around, and I just slapped this on the, I slapped this on the table and put it out. And she's like, okay, how do you play? I was like, well, you flick these discs. And Kel hates dexterity games like this. She's like, ah, oh, you tricked me. I was like, let's just do it. It's harmless. It takes 10 minutes. And uh, it's okay, though. I just don't get how they clearly just didn't care about the production issue here. Like, why would you fold this cloth board up and send it to people and not give them a way to work the ridges out? It's a flicking game. Yeah. I was saying it would probably be easier to do just like a puzzle piece, like cardboard playing field. Cause you need, I mean, you need something to show you how to score or where to score. Yeah. And you couldn't put like a disc on the table because it'd be raised and that. That's how. So if you like, yeah. just made the like, material is nice. Like it slides really nice. I I wouldn't mind having a board like this, and it it's got the right like friction and things like that. I just don't get puzzle piece. I guess would have made more sense. Like some way to. I told you to try the steamer. That might work. I w- Yeah, we're gonna. We were talking about different ways to like we could roll. <laughs> we spent way too much time talking about this, but like how to roll it or maybe you know iron it between two towels or like wrap it in a wet towel to try. It's just. Oh it explicitly gosh. says, like, not suitable for ironing, and the basic concept of ironing is to steam with pressure. Like, so I'm scared that I'm going to F it all up. Well, I was Sorry, th- I was thinking, like, the ironing up. maybe is because of the graphics on it. It would peel them the off. Yeah. Steaming yeah. might. I don't know if steaming, steaming might, but it's, you can be a little more targeted with the steamer. Yeah. So you could aim away from the graphics. I'll call Stanley and see if he uh, can steam my board. Who? I don't know. Do they have Stanley Steamer in Ohio? I don't know. Yeah, I, they do. I didn't even get that joke. I was like, "Wow, another one! You're on a roll." Thank you. I'm I'm feeling the hamburger jokes. They say like you buy one room, you get unlimited felt playmats free. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so it's an okay game. It's unless you want like kind of a dumb flicking game, not dumb, a mindless kind of 
fucking game. Like, don't bother or just buy a piece of felt and take discs just out of buy games Elfest, that you already do yourself a favor and just <laughs> is great. The best i don't deny that Elfest is wonderful in your collection I just, you know there's no need Anywho. for anything more than elk fest ever elk fest is a fantastic two-player flicking game if you want a two-player flicking game crokinole or, or elk fest crokinole with elks might be good i don't know i'll think about that Tiff, mm. you were uh, tuning us out so that you could jot down some thoughts. What thoughts did you generate there? Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I You guys can remember so many details of the games that you play, and this is often what is tough on the podcast for me, is because when I play a game, and especially in like a big game day, I just forget the names of everything, and, you know... <laughs> It's not it's not good radio for me to say. You take the thing and you move it to the thing. So I was just trying to look up some of the things from um, <laughs> <laughs> the games that I played. But no, Ellen, you're entrapped. Yeah, I know it's it's tough for me. But I I just wanted to mention we don't have to talk about it for a really long time. But I played the Oracle of Delphi finally. And I really, chat, man. It's a good game. I really liked it. Like, it's been a while since I've played something where I'm like, yeah, I'm buying this now. Like, I haven't really had that experience lately. And uh, that's how I feel about the Oracle of Delphi. I think there are two things that really make it awesome. The player powers, because Feld games with the points, it's a Feld. We've talked about it before, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to describe the game, but um, it's like that point salad thing, but you have these player powers, and they feel like really powerful, and they give you some direction in the game just from the start. So it's not just this huge open, like, ah, situation like a lot of Felds. And then the other thing I really like is that it's not exactly point salad because they do it in that race style, so you have like these 12 things that you have to get done to win the game and make it back to the Zeus statue. Um, so it kind of just like, dis- you still have all these different ways that you have to get the, you know, do these objectives, but it, you're still doing point salad, but it's just kind of condensed down into these 12 points that you're trying to yeah. get as fast as you can in the most efficient way that you can. It has an end goal, which is something that Feld games don't always have when it's just highest score. Yeah. It's like, okay, how do I generate enough score? But this is... Okay, everyone's trying to go for these same 12 things. You decide the pathway, which I think is a a good thing if you're not like a big point salad puzzler. If you don't want to figure out the efficiencies, this is more, I know my goal. I I I know like how I'm doing. Right. I love, I mean, I like that, you know, figuring out the efficiencies thing. But I think this just is a little bit more accessible for people who maybe aren't into that kind of deal. Everybody that I played with loved it. And it went by really quick. You know, it's, I think a lot of felts are like that. You look at all the pieces and you're like, oh, my God. Um, and then as soon as you get going, I mean, the turns went by. You have a lot of downtime in between your turns, but you need it to try to, like, puzzle out what you're doing next. So it, when you mm-hmm. actually get to your turn, it goes by pretty fast. And we played, I don't even know how long we played, but it didn't feel long, which I also appreciated. So it's good. I'm going to buy yeah, it. I really like that game. And it also got you to get rid of Aquasphere, which is, is beautiful. There's nothing wrong no with one, Aquasphere. No one took me up. Matt, Aquasphere. Matt, no one took me up on my $12 offer. $12. Because all, everyone owns it. It's already Because it was already $14 on Amazon like two weeks ago, I think. <laughs> it, I looked it up on Amazon. It's like $33. It's, it used, it's th- a good they were deal. Go- 
they were going for real cheap at one point. I forget. It was oh, like yeah, it went on sale fifteen or twenty. That's ridiculous. It was on all of those like holiday discount sales it's last year. Probably my like least that. favorite Feld by far. Uh, well, it's not a bad game. It's not I, a bad I mean, game, I, but it's not a good one either. I only played it twice, I, and I feel like that was enough. It's just a tough game. It's too hard for Dan. That's a problem. Yeah, no. sure. Let's go with that. Or maybe it's just subpar. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> this is Delphi is really fun. It's good. I really like Delphi. Delphi I want it good. now. So, yay. Yeah, I'd like to have a copy of that. Kel, that's a game that Kel was like, hey, what about that, like, God game where we raced? Do we have that? I'm like, no, we don't. But it's good. We really enjoyed that. It's in my Amazon cart. I will complete my order eventually. What's it going for? 41 Okay. Seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's still relatively new. Did you guys see that there's a new Uva Rosenberg game that they announced? I did see that. What was it called? N- Nussfjord? Something like that? Sold. <laughs> Another, like, worker placement style. Like, it's one of his, like, bigger titles. It's not this... It's not like Patchwork or anything like that. I didn't... I mean, I saw it, but I didn't look at it. Do you know anything else yeah, about it? Yeah, I just it? read oh. a little bit about it, but I'm just, you know... When you bring up Feld, you start thinking of all your Euro... Your friendly local Euro designers, and... Uh, playing that Feld made me realize, like... I've been playing so many light games, I think... That's why I'm kind of grumpy about games. It's like, just, I just you, need... You told hungry. you. That's how it was last year when I kept having to play fillers every week. I was like, oh, It gets frustrating. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just need to be less lazy about learning the rules is the real big problem. And I saw it huge in our game day because, like, Copac was there. And I would say we had two groups going. He still taught most of the games. Copac did. Which I'm, like, ashamed of my game group for that reason. <laughs> like, none of us are good, like, Intuit rules learners. Like, we have one guy who, he was actually the beginning of my um, gaming, like, group was this guy, Jason. And he was always the guy that learned the rules. And then we kind of moved farther apart and he wasn't coming to game night. And, um, and so since then, we've kind of not had people who are super good teachers or want to learn the rules, myself included. So having Jason was there at this game day and Kopak was there, there were two people that weren't like, oh, I don't want to learn the rules. Like, there was a time before they jumped in where you're sitting in my game library room, which probably has 400 games in it. And they're like, what do you want to play? I don't know. I don't want to learn the rules. I'm like, if you, the shelf behind you, the rules are like one page. Like, I have them organized by lightness. <laughs> like, turn around. It's one page rule book. And no one even picked up one of those games to, like, maybe just look at the rule book. And I don't know. It, like, I need, to, I need to be better about this. This is why I'm not playing games. Because I don't want to teach the rules. Rant over. Well, not to... No, I can't remember what it's called. I don't want to like keep jumping to like sporadic topics, but it, I think it's called the Diced app. D I C E. I've heard of that. Yes. I think it's on Kickstarter. I, f- I got a couple like releases from some of the companies that send me emails about like, hey, we're going to put our games up on here. It is a rules teaching app. I think it's a genius idea. Where you you sit down with the game, and it's almost like some of those games that have those tutorial missions where it's like, okay, we learn as we go. This thing has like a play-by-play that will teach you the games while allowing you to play. I think that's what it does, and I haven't really looked into it, but and I don't know if it's subscription or just purchase, 
but uh, that's the idea. So you are not alone in the idea that people just like want easier ways to get into games and learn rules. This is not uncommon. And Kopak, poor Kopak is like pigeonholed into the rules guy. I wonder if he ever like goes home and is like, I don't like rules and just doesn't I know tell anyone. He's I- got to be. <laughs> I know he's exhausted by it and I feel really bad about it. I, I'm like. I constantly am like, you are the best. You are the best person in the world. Like, literally, we wouldn't have had fun yesterday if he hadn't been there. It would have been like, I don't know. He's just more willing to jump into it. Yes, you do. Yeah. So everyone's like, Dan, you read the rule book. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I usually volunteer to try to go through, and I feel bad because I'm not a good one. I'm not, like, Kovac reads and teaches as he goes. That's not my strong suit. But once I play the game, I feel like I can teach. Yeah, I don't, I, I just I don't get, do well I under try that to minimize pressure. It. Yeah. And I've talked before about how, like, my goal is to sum things up in five minutes because that's all Kel can handle. So sometimes, depending on who you're teaching to, they're like, uh, you didn't teach me this? I'm like, yeah, because most games I play, we, like, play, we learn as we go kind of thing. But anyway, it's good that, I mean... There definitely needs to be people to kind of bear the brunt of right. rules teaching. And Kopak, just, you won't, Kopak won't always be there for you to... I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But when he is, my life is just so much better. Love you, yeah. dude. I hope you listen. You just got to pick like one game. No, I know. I know how simple it is. But <laughs> it's not complicated. And I will often put a rule book out during the week and say, this is the one I'm going to learn. But, yeah. I mean, you know how it is. You get home from work and you're tired. And I'm also, you know, like with working on my master's and trying to do this mm-hmm. and trying to do, you know, I have like too many hobbies. I need to just not <laughs> do so much. You could just only purchase games that Rodney has already released a video for. Yes. Like, I guess the that. The Watch It Played Only collection. <laughs> that could be a thing. I don't know. I just, I need to, I need to reach out. I need to find someone in the Hilliard, Ohio area that like loves teaching rules and make them my new best friend would be another solution. I don't know that those people exist. I don't know. I think there are people out there that that are, hey now. (laughs) Back to the Ohio talk. (laughs) I think there are people out there that genuinely enjoy reading rule books and, and teaching rules. I think I'm not one of them. And I think part of it is I get I get snippy when I'm teaching rules. I know that. Yeah. And it's from teaching all day and being interrupted all day. And then I don't have patience for my friends. <laughs> so you just have to Skype me in. It's like, Matt, it's game day. Okay. Let's Skype in our robot teacher. Deal. <laughs> and I'll, uh, it'll be like 20 bucks a pop. That's what I told Kopak. I was like, I feel like we should pay you to come <laughs> to game day. Like, you should be compensated. Every time he comes, just send him home with a game. And then you thin your collection and... You get well, taught some rules. He's in oh, the same boat as I am as far as, like, we're we're both in that we have yeah. too many game situations. So I don't think giving him games would be the way to keep him coming. Yeah, go back, take this cool mini project that I haven't gotten rid of. Yet. I would give him, like, a whole tub of games if he wanted it. Like You're getting paid in zombie side. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least that's out of my life. I've made some progress, but yeah. Well, I I almost think I need to, instead of doing, like, our top of the stack, instead of doing top of the stack in games that have played, like, have I read the rule book that I promised I was going to read this week? Like, forget top of the stack. I need to read a rule. The segment evolves. (laughs) No more top of the stack. It's going to be Tiff's one rule book of the month. Yes. 
What games have you learned, Tiff? I'm going to learn this game, this game, and this game. Well, and I do have to learn games for Board Game Club. So, like, there's that, mm-hmm. too. Is like, it's just my capacity for learning rules is only so far. And when I do it once a week for Board Game Club, then I'm pooped. I need to work That's on the it. issue. We have top of the stack, but that doesn't... We're, we're skipping a step there, Tiff. We need to back you up to just reading rule books because you can't even play them until you read them. We so. need to scaffold here. Yep. I need some support. Task analyze. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, that went a little off the track, but that's how I've been feeling. That's okay. This is a safe place for you to express your board game feelings. Oh, dear. Nothing else too real, just board game feelings. Dan, how are your board game feelings? I don't, I don't know what that means. Dan doesn't that's a have very feelings. Dan response. <laughs> <laughs> just... Have you played anything else that stands out, Daniel? Yeah, let's talk about Horizons now on Kickstarter. We should talk about Horizons now on Kickstarter. Yeah, I got it's a, a notification weird t- it's weird about that. that they put that. that in the title, but what Horizons now on Kickstarter now on Kickstarter? It's kind of well. That's not we should say either. we got a preview copy of this, so we want to. I want to talk about it. Um, but I'm going to let you explain it because you've played it most recently. Well, to be fair, you played it one day further out than I did, but okay. Yeah, but in between that day and today, I've been to a bourbon and whiskey bar. I've been to two Labor Day (laughs) cookouts. (laughs) Or not Labor, I guess pre-Labor Day cookouts. Um, Yeah, so... I don't know. Now I'm kind of interested to hear you try to explain it, but anyway, no, that's okay. Uh, Horizons, yeah, from Daily Magic, Levi Moat, our good buddy. It is, so they describe, we had this talk, they describe it on their Kickstarter, which you should go check out right now, as a 4X style game. I don't know that I agree with 4X, Dan. I don't. Not to start with a negative, but I can see where they get the idea. But I don't want to put this in people's heads that this is a 4X game when it's definitely something different than that. But it's got 4X elements. It's a sci-fi game. It revolves around scoring points via... um, card comboing with your actions and building this central solar system essentially so the way that it works is there are five available actions to you and you get to take two actions per turn those actions allow you to put new planets into play which you can then build on that's the second type of action once you have buildings you can harvest from them which will give you resources that allow you to build some more and combo Uh, you can get mission cards which will score you points or and or get you some allies which give you actions to combo off of and the last one kind of piggybacking off of building is to adapt which is basically to gain access to building on certain types of planets you start with one so i can start by building on frozen planets but throughout the game i'm going to want to build on other planet types like gaseous or um water-based planets, things like that, volcanic. So I need to adapt, and that just, you know, kind of gives me a permission to build on those buildings. Um, The crux of this game really is are these ally cards and these mission cards, though, because they kind of shape your strategy and how you progress through the game. Your five basic actions get bolstered by ally cards. You can gather ally cards up to five at a time, uh, have it available to you, And these are bonus actions that trigger when you take the main action. So if I take the adapt action, I can use an adapt-based ally, which allows me to chain and combo, get more things, improve your efficiencies, essentially. And those are really important because, as I learned in my first three-player game, if you're a guy just taking one action at a time with no bonus actions, and Dan's on the other side of the table taking 
three or four actions essentially at a time, he's going to end up with a lot more of those cool purple points than I do. And he's going to win the game. Yeah. He's going to crush me. Uh, <laughs> yep. Fact. Yeah. That just and, happened. And uh, so those are, <laughs> those are really important <laughs> because there are five, you know, five different ally types based on the five different actions. And then there's different allies within those stacks. So you can get access to a lot of different abilities and they tend to like fall in line. The, the, building allies allow you to get more resources or give you resources based on your buildings the exploration guys give you more tiles to find or give you points when you explore things so it all kind of chains together and makes sense logically that way Um, the piece that i really like is the end game area control area majority there's a solar system quote unquote didn't see that one coming (laughs) there's a solar system out for each player (laughs) These aren't player specific. There's just that just dictates the number of uh, solar systems. So in a two player game, there's two. In a three player game, there's three, and so on. Each of those is a hex. So there's six planets around each of these central suns, and that's the size of the board essentially. So two player game, there's going to be twelve planets out. Each planet has three spaces to build on, and then at the end of the game, your buildings contribute to an area control majority kind of thing. So all of your um, resource gathering buildings give you one point. And your little colonies, which cost more to build, will give you two points of control. Whoever has the most point, uh, contr- whoever has the most control points within the solar system, gets six points. Second place gets three points. Ties give you know there's a tiebreaker kind of thing. So that all leads into the last point scoring thing is missions. There's a, there's just a lot of pieces going on as you can tell I'm describing. Uh, these mission cards allow you to cycle through and give you different objectives to work towards. Have three frozen planets in a solar system. Uh, have buildings on six different planets. Have five total frozen planets in the in all solar systems, kind of thing. Uh, share locations with three players or something like that. So these mission cards are the other kind of piece of the puzzle when it comes to point scoring because they guide what you want to do. So what this all amounts to, even though it sounds like a lot, is a very relatively simple and quick playing game. I mean, we played three-player learning game and a two-player learning game both in in under an hour. Not both at the same time under an hour. Each game was under an hour. And it just starts to make sense after you play a couple rounds. You're like, okay, I'm getting the gist of gathering allies, gathering missions, taking quick actions. I know what I want to do. And and all this, uh, you're building towards the first player to build all of their colonies will end the game. So there's a little bit of pacing control if somebody decides to rush the end game and build all of their colonies really quick that can you know be good or bad depending on your your positioning in the game at that point so that was kind of a roundabout way to get to all of that but how are you feeling dan you've played it like three or four times now um i've played it four or five actually um because i played it at gen con a couple times yeah i like it i think what you described is it's a i think i described it on twitter too at some point in the last month it's it's very slick um my favorite part of the game is the the ally comboing kind of system i love games that give you increased efficiencies based on some sort of bonus um and this this game you're collecting like matt said up to five allies um each of the allies is unique too so not there's no duplicates in it so you only have available to you the ones that are kind of face up or you can kind of press your luck and take the the one that's under you can discard the top one and then take the second one blindly um which in the start of the game is is a bit of a risk but as the the piles start to dwindle there's only like five allies in each pile and towards the end of the game like 
you start to know what's in the pile based on what everyone has. So you can, that, that risk of discarding one and taking the next one is it usually pays off. Um, so that's just a subtle little element I really liked about it. But the comboing system is, is really fun. Each ally gets to be used twice maximum. Um, so then they go back into the stack. Um, so there's this constant, you know, churn of different allies in and out of your, um, your tableau and just this finding the combinations that work for you and your strategy um, is, is a lot of fun. And like Matt said, very simplistic mechanically speaking, but very engaging. Um, my least favorite part of the game, if I'm going to be kind of balanced here, is the mission card deck. There's a lot of missions in there that I, I feel don't scale very well in the lower player counts. You know, for instance, have five, you know, be populated on five frozen planets or something like that. In a two-player game, there's only two star systems, which means there's a max six planets in each star system. So if you need to be on five of them, then you need five of them to be Yeah, you need to get five out, which frozen. is tough. It's a random bag and draw the way, to get the planets. Yeah. Yeah, it's a random bag draw to get the planets when you explore it. So if you're not drawing it, then you're not, you're not going to get them. And if someone else knows you've got that card or knows what's in the, you know, they might... You know, I don't know. I wish the mission cards gave me um, a bit of an Agizia vibe for those who have played Agizia, like just kind of drawing in and trying to figure out which ones you actually can complete. Um, I wish the mission deck, I wish you had more of those cards where you were in like sole control of completing them kind of thing. Like the have three things out in one system, you know, have three colonies in one system or have all your colonies in one system. I had those last time and it, it really kind of drove my strategy and my tactics um, and my thought process. And then, you know, I get the ones that's like have five, you know, frozen one. I'm like, I discarded immediately. Like I don't even look at it. And, you know, there is the ability to churn through that deck and get rid of them because you can only hold five at one time. So at the end of the game, you could have five that you have completed. But for me, that's just wasted actions trying to churn through this deck. And there are ally cards that let you get more mission cards. And so there's ways to kind of get around it. I just wish that deck scaled more for player count and just had a little bit more. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I can't think of the word right now. I think I'm still drunk. But uh, yeah, I just wish you had a little bit more kind of control on the completion of the missions. Um, it, it just felt like it didn't scale very well but again minor quibble because it you know it works it, you can get it does it. it is a it's an issue though like i, I said, think the the, ma the major thing for me is that ally system is a lot of fun oh yeah i i don't i don't know if it's an issue per se i just think it's something that i don't like about the yeah game. i don't i <laughs> kind of getting into that whole kind of preference versus does it work i think it works yes it's not fine i don't know that it doesn't break anything feasible. it doesn't it works. It functions. What Kel and I and I no. It just becomes a dead card until you can get rid of it. Yeah, like, I haven't so. explored it as as far as you have, but you know, I spent some time with it. And what Kel and I found, Kel really liked this, which is a positive thing. You know, any game that Kel likes, one that's good for me because I like when Kel likes games. But that also tells me about its accessibility and things like that because I know what kind of player she is. So uh, I was able to teach it really quick. She caught on very quickly. I do think that this is a very accessible game. It's it's not difficult to play. She found it to be really fun in terms of you always have something interesting to do. There's no real, even though you describe like getting new mission cards as a dead action, it, it's not really. And you can always, the conspire action that allows you to get missions, you can get one mission and one ally. Yeah. So there's a benefit there. There's 
allies that you can use to get your mission cards instead. And but I think you can get those like those a lot of those uh, mission cards are like two, three, or maybe four yeah. points. And I've I've found in at least three of my plays, I've gone heavy on the ally cards that give me points straight up, and I've just amassed a massive bulk of points, and I've not lost yet, because I can more efficiently get two purple tokens than I can complete a two-point yeah. mission card a lot of times. So the mission cards for me have been kind of supplemental. It's like, oh, okay, I did two of these, cool. But you know, I had a stack of 28 purple tokens in front of me and last i'm still time not quite sure how you did like, that because there aren't that many cards it, it was clearly like a lack of awareness on steve and i's part which is something that needed to be checked in that gameplay because well when you do the explore action and then you trade in resources for two point that's three per explore yeah action. it just and i could do that four times it's with tough two to get allies. those allies because those they go to the bottom of the deck and things like that so you, so to cycle through these those allies so fast in in a three or four player game makes more sense in the two player game i don't know that all 20 yeah, two player. You're not yeah, two player game. What we found was that the mission cards were actually the deciding factor because we were able to keep pace. Uh, we each ended up con- with control of a system. There's two systems, and we kept pace in terms of generating purple points. We were able to see those cards when they came up. We'd grab them, and that that kind of equaled out between the two of us. So it came down to like who did the missions, and Kel got three missions done that were four, three, and three. I got five missions done that were all two so she ended up beating me out by two points it was like 22 to 20 something like that so the two-player game felt like i need to get mission cards because everything else seems to be in balance yeah like i said there's the the cool part is there's different things to explore like i don't know that all 28 of those points were from just my generation i probably think like 20 of them were eight might have been from like area control i took tokens i don't remember the play but i know i had a ton i had a but ton of points yeah, in purple yeah, tokens. Did. And I've made that my strategy like three games in a row and it's not it's not lost. So I'm not for me, like I've kind of seen the mission cards as like I can get that two points more efficiently elsewhere yeah. kind of thing. Whether it's building a building and going you know, it depends. But I agree. In more players you're gonna cycle through those allies probably a little quicker, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. I haven't played it at two players. So I've only played it at three, four, and once at five. I don't like it at five. I don't like any game at five, really. So that's not a criticism of this game in particular. That's just a player preference. Uh, three and four work really well. Yeah, and two totally worked. Um, I was I was into it, and uh, we thought it was fun. Like I said, it played quick, and I could immediately feel growth from my first game to my second game because I played it two days in a row, and it was like, okay, I feel more focused. I have an idea of what I want to do, and I was able to execute that relatively well. Um, there's definitely a ramp with if you build your generation, your resource generators, you can with the two actions, you can like build and harvest and just start building and harvesting. And you can really rush that game with getting your buildings out and things like mm-hmm. that. So it ramps up, which is nice because you don't want to be sitting there the early game. You're getting like one or two resources a piece and then whatever your allies give you. And then you really feel like you're doing a way a lot more. You're doing a lot more comboing and things like that as you progress. So, uh. It, it that's a good feeling yeah. yeah but if you just kind of hone it like i said it, allies are super important and i've found like i've gotten to the point like last game like i didn't have the full suite of five that i normally had had in prior games i had like three and they all worked off each other and i just bam 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 and then i got those three back again because i knew it was in the deck and bam bam, bam did like i just kind of i churned that yeah. the engine that way 
it's easy to kind of get lost in all of the different actions, you know, you know, at, at one point. And if, if you can really kind of hone your focus, like if you're going to rush it, you got to rush it. Um, you can't kind of diddle daddle over here doing this and that you got to like, you got to go for that because other people are going to be catching up and doing things that are scoring them points, um, quicker than you are maybe. Yeah. So now it's a good game. I don't agree with four X. I four X style four X style. Yeah. I, okay. But even that, I, I don't know. I don't know. I would say that, that the, so, and- <laughs> cause I think four X, when you say that a, a certain thing pops into players' minds and, I think they would be disappointed if they came into this thinking they were going to go attack their buddies. No, I think this system. is much more of a like card. It's not a card game, but it's like a it's an action comboing game. It's a resource. It's a resource management, you know, area yeah. control game, kind of thing with you know action selection and art by comboing. the Miko combo. The Miko, yeah, Miko in space. Miko in space. So it's space Vikings. It's very Space Valeria. It's a pretty game. <laughs> no, it, it is a very he did really he did a really good job uh, kind of taking his art style into the, the yeah. space world. Which, you know, you see all his other art, he's very fantasy Viking oriented, so it was it was nice to see him kind of stretch branch a out, bit into, man. The, into the cosmos. Stop making those Raiders games. Yeah. So that's Horizons. That's on um I don't know, when that when's that it's on Kickstarter for the next couple weeks, I think. Horizons? Yeah, it ends on September yeah. 22nd. It's already funded. It'll run you 47 bucks. Yeah. That's including shipping. That's a good price. A lot of wood and a lot of good components in this. Yeah, a like lot of wood. Custom uh, shape. If you have Valeria, everything's custom shaped and colored and like really fits the vibe. The graphic design is excellent. Yeah, I um, think it's like... It's, it's nice. I think... I think it is like a $40 game and then the shipping is what brings it up to like 47 or, or somewhere around that. So it's perfectly set within that MSRP and then you got to pay the shipping cost just because of Kickstarter. So yeah, I recommend it. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. It's probably it's probably my favorite Daily Magic game at this point. I don't point. know. I really like Valeria Card Kingdoms. I just played Valeria last night and <clears throat> those stealing mechanics drive me mm-hmm. absolutely bonkers. I can't stand those in games like that. That literally knocks the thing down like a point and a half in my rating scale, just having that in your game. Just, I won't oh, goodness. Should we talk about Stop Thief? Anyway. It's a good game. Uh, <laughs> it's a good game. Oh, Stop Thief. I thought about Get stealing mechanics. <laughs> Tiff, how are you feeling about Horizons after hearing of, of a drawn-out explanation? <laughs> That's a very detailed explanation. Sorry. I don't know. We, we played it very recently. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I, I don't know. Fresh. You don't you don't hate it. I, it, I kind of had a feeling when I was l- like reading through some of it that, you know, it says 4X, but in order to kind of fit it all in the time frame that they're looking to do it, it would kind of have to not really actually feel like 4X. And I just feel like a lot of game, there have been a lot of games trying to attempt that. But for me, I think I would just rather like get out of clips and play actual 4X and, and yeah, have it take yeah. a long time. I don't know if there is a way to condense it that makes it feel like you're actually doing four X's. That's the impression I get. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I when we first got this game, the, the preview copy, I had never heard it described as four X. This is kind of literally new to me as of today. Um, I would have never said after played it without any kind of, you know, bias i would have never said this is a 4x game i would have said this is a this is a fun little area control game with a, a nice resource management and action combo system kind of thing would have never crossed my mind to compare it to anything in the 4x realm i'd only call it 4x in theme maybe like it's the idea that you're conquering a galaxy so like thematically it's got that 4x idea is the only is only yeah, maybe, where i would I draw that parallel 
but mechanically I wouldn't never do that. I like it. It's a it's a satisfying play experience in under an hour. I, I mean, yeah. I, I like it. I'm not. I liked it um, a good bit. So that's all I can say. Yeah, check it out. And just on the topic of Kickstarter, because I was looking through like Kickstarter pages and stuff, um, Wanted Earth is still up, and we talked about Wanted Earth before, like that uh, crazy time travely miniatures game where people are not time travely, but it's like uh, sci-fi aliens assaulting. It's got all those different player powers and things like that. We we chatted about it on a previous episode, so you can go check that out. But I saw that it was still up there, and just wanted to throw in another shout out to Wanted Earth. I think they're pretty close to funding, and uh, Horizons is funded. I think I said that so. And Daily Magic has never had issues with their Kickstarter fulfillment, so that's not a concern here. They do good stuff in terms of Kickstarter projects. They've done, like, 10-plus projects. So, veterans. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we at? Where are we at? Should uh, should we wrap this thing up? Should I talk about something? Let's wrap this up. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. The, the voice is spoken. Let's move on. Dan has said, end of episode. Thank you all for joining us for episode 74 of the podcast Nonsense of Gamers. And thank you again to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games, for all of their love and support. Be sure to check them out, playtmg.com. Check out your game store shelves online or in person to see all the things that they have coming out uh, and available to you. If you want to find us, you can always check out uh, the BGG Guild, number 2077. Have some conversations with us over there. Or the best place, as usual, is Twitter. Tiffany B, if people want to chat with you about the rules that you are not learning, how do they do that? I am at IneptGamer. And Dan, if they want to chat with you, I don't know. I don't have anything quippy or fun. Just if you want to be in Dan's presence electronically, where do they do that? Um, on my personal account, at Scandalous underscore Nad, if you want to talk in pure GIF form. <laughs> you do talk in um, pure GIF. Or at League Nonsense. I actually added that to my profile. It says speaks in gif <laughs> it's true. It's true. so there's no funner way to more fun way sorry to experience twitter than through gif it's surprising the extensive like you type anything in and there is a picture or a gif of it that you need yeah it's amazing to just discover new things i'm trying to think oh what did i look up the other day somebody made a joke in uh, about trump and cats and i said i bet you there's a trump cat online and i googled trump cat and there are hundreds of pictures of trump as a cat just so you know. Or penguin. Trump penguin as Makes well. Sense. Anywho, uh, you can find me at Cinnamon Buns. I would have rather elected a cat. <laughs> you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Thank you again for joining us for episode 74. We will see you next time. Until then, everyone say goodbye. Toodles. thumbs on my trackpad i don't even know how that's possible i'm excited for you that's great you have two thumbs it shouldn't be that hard i do i i do you got me i do have posing since they're opposing they they shouldn't be doing the same thing get it wow (laughs) dad jokes when we have our kickstarter you uh we can do a joke of the week with you like the cabal does yeah we did hamburger jokes. jokes for a while (gasps) hamburger jokes i still got the book Uh, i want somebody asked me about that i can't believe you bought a book about hamburger jokes that happened it's just right in front of you you never know when you need a hamburger joke it's true
Uh, I'm right. going to say well, never. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a situation where like, you know what it would solve this? A hamburger joke. You know what would keep the peace in this situation? Maybe that's what we should do. Joke. Instead of dropping Pop-Tarts in the Middle East, maybe we should drop hamburger joke books. In the world dropping would, Pop-Tarts in the Middle East? The world would be a, like a happier place. Pop- are we dropping Pop-Tarts? Isn't pop, are Pop-Tarts like a main kind of core of the care packages that we supply? Is that because they're shitty and we have too many of them? Well, because they're not like... Because they're not so actually destructible. But then you... Yeah. yeah. Ugh, I think do so. we send them all like the plain ones that people are like, yeah, we we don't know why we made the these. ones with so no frosting. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. I had a, one of my one of my cousins used to just put butter on the top of that instead of frosting. I mean, I guess that's a solution. So, you know, if you if you this really want to get unhealthy with your pop tart, you just slather the top of it with butter. It sounds like your family member was trying to make pop tart toast, and that. <laughs> Pop toast? Pop toast. Okay. Yeah, which is basically toast with jam and butter. Yeah, okay. But prepackaged. I never tried it. Comes mm. a little butter pack. That gets complicated. Gross. Yeah, no. All right. Let's do a, a thing. Uh, three, two, one.